walks out to the mound like a matador without a suit of lights. The crowd lets out a mighty roar as he steps out of the night. His baseball is his weapon, deadly to his foes. His screwball is his coup de grace. This every hitter knows. Fernando, you're a breath of fresh air to us all. And when you're pitching the ball, you do it with style and grace. You've got us all back in the race. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff, joining me from the still, I guess, cold, little little snowy northwest. It is my co-host, as usual, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome. How you doing? Hi, Jeff. Boy, it's good to be back. Uh, to get to the studio, I actually had to tunnel through the 11 feet of snow we have. So it was tough, but uh, I'm here. Well, I know the studio is just in your living room, so... Yeah, that's the tough part. <laughs> in Ireland, those are called famine houses when they don't have a roof because the government used to tax people. They called it a house if there was a roof on it, so people would just get rid of the roof and deal with the elements so they didn't have to pay taxes. See the stuff you learn on this show? It, mostly baseball, <laughs> but this is some real history. Every now and then, uh, my trip to Ireland Wait. comes in here. <laughs> All right, well, we have got a great show. I don't know if you noticed, that was some different uh, different theme music to open the show today. And uh, that probably gives you a little bit of a clue as to what we're going to talk about today. It is Fernando Mania today. Because we talked about it an episode or two ago, and I said, you know, that's on my list. We need to do that. And I thought, you know, this is as good a week as any to talk about Fernando Valenzuela. Absolutely. This is a great... It's a great subject. I'm glad you're doing it because this is this is pretty fun stuff. Before we get to that, let's get into our usual BP segment. Now, I am going to just warn you. Today's show is fueled by I just finished an energy drink. I've got a, uh, a glass of whiskey here and some water. This is a breakfast of champions type situation here for this show. Very nice. A couple of things before we get to Fernando. Obviously, if we're talking about Fernando, we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers quite a bit. I, you know, we've talked about this name before. We've talked about a lot of Dodger names before, but the bridegrooms when they were in yes. Brooklyn, they were the bridegrooms between 1888 and 1890. In those years, they won two pennants, but they never, they didn't win the World Series at that point. Then they changed their name to the grooms in 91 through 95 and didn't win a pennant at all. Then they went back to being the bridegrooms in 1996 before becoming the Superbas in 1899. So I'm a little confused here because what is it? It's always always a bridegroom, never the bride or bridesmaid. Always <laughs> oh, a bridesmaid. Well, yeah. you can say it about the groom too. Yeah, same thing, right? So they they're the bridegrooms and they they win two pennants but no World Series. So why did they graduate to the grooms? And then they didn't win anything, and they're like, "We better just go back." I don't, I don't understand yeah. the the thought process there. 
Well, they, they took bride out of bridegrooms. You don't want to take the bride out. I mean, that's the most important part. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were very progressive in 1891 <laughs> in Brooklyn. Oh, they might I'm have. sure they were. All right. I've got something that I'm not going to go too in-depth in because just like we talked about Fernando Mania oh, a couple weeks ago, and lo and behold, we're talking about Fernando Mania today. I want to talk about the Homer at the Bat Simpsons episode because it is the anniversary of that coming up uh, right now, this week. It originally aired, I guess last week. It originally aired February 20th of 1992. So next year is the big anniversary. Okay. Maybe maybe we have to hold off till for another year to hit 30. Let's throw out the names of the team uh, that Mr. Burns puts together for a softball team. You got Roger Clemens, Wade Boggs, Ken Griffey Jr., Steve Sachs, Ozzie Smith, Jose Canseco, Don Mattingly, Daryl Strawberry, and Mike Sosha, all playing themselves. Not a bad nice. roster. Got four Hall of Famers there. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> Do you remember any of Mr. Burns' original choices that he wanted to uh, wanted to bring in his ringers? You know, it's been a while since I uh, since I saw uh, that show, so no, I have no clue. These, these were his uh, these were his choices: Cap Ansem. <laughs> Pie Trainer, <laughs> Jim Creighton, Gabby Street, Nap Lajoie, Harry Hooper, Onus Wagner, Shoeless Joe Jackson, and Mordecai Three Finger Brown. Oh, man. A couple of, of two-strike noise classics in there. I, I the, We've talked about every single one of those guys. Now, Jim <laughs> Creighton, I had to go back and refresh my memory. Do you remember Jim Creighton? No. <laughs> you will when I tell you the story again. But Jim Creighton played from 1857 through 1862. He was playing before there was organized professional baseball. He played in New York. Uh, he played for the Brooklyn right. Stars, the Niagaras, and the Excelsiors. I remember we dug that name. He was a pitcher, and he was one of the best in the entire game at that point. He is the guy, though, that when he was up at bat, swung so hard that he broke, you know, he hit a home run, he broke his belt, trotted around the bases, and then started to feel a sharp pain, and he ruptured his bladder that killed him four days later. Do you remember that? I do remember that. That, that is a hard-swinging dude. That is. But, I mean, that just fits in that that would be who Mr. Burns <laughs> He wants this yeah. guy that died in 1862 to be on his team. <laughs> nice. I did find out something I did not know about that episode. A couple of names of players that were approached and turned down the chance to be in this episode. And this is going to hurt for both you and me. Okay. Four names. Nolan Ryan. Ricky Henderson. Ryan Sandberg and Carlton Fisk all said no. Wow. Not Simpsons fans, apparently. <laughs> How cool would it have been if Nolan and Ricky would have been in that episode? It would have been pretty impressive. No kidding. Oh, that, I mean, you know, Ricky was portrayed in Toy Story 4, but didn't have a speaking, you know, he, right. he wasn't in there, didn't speak anything. But they've said that that bobblehead is him. No doubt. Uh, what could have been? But I've got more stuff on that. But I'm going to hold off because we need to do an episode on that episode. That's so I great. like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the writers, uh, one of which is Ken Levine, who we've talked about, big baseball fan, was an announcer for the Mariners and, and 
ah, that's just such a great episode. They, th- what I was getting at is the the creators of The Simpsons, Matt Groening, Groen- I can't say, I can never say his name, uh, the showrunners and so forth, said that that is one of the four episodes that they consider the best ever. And I agree. Really good stuff. Huh, that's cool. I, I love The Simpsons, and I definitely love that episode. I'd like to, I don't know where I can, I guess you can find it pretty much on them interwebs. I think, I want to say it's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't have Disney+, Plus, but I'm pretty sure that all the episodes are there. But yeah, you can find them somewhere. Okay. But they're baseball fans. I mean, so many. You got the Isotopes, uh, Dancing Homer. Do you remember when he became the mascot and got called up to the big leagues to Capital City? And his gig yep. didn't, didn't go so well there. But they've got yep, a whole, I remember that. They've got a whole bunch of baseball references and episodes. So that's that's cool. They're a lo- they're big baseball fans. I want to talk about a former former guest, uh, a past guest, Daniel Jacob Harine, who we had on a while ago. That does those incredible. We we always retweet when he comes up with a new one on Twitter. Does those incredible comic book style pieces of artwork. I was super jazzed about the Ricky Henderson one. You got the Nolan Ryan one. He does a new one every week or so, and he retires them, so you got to get them. Uh, he did a great YouTube chat with Dale Murphy last week. which oh, was nice. Yeah, because remember, he did a Dale Murphy one, and he just came out with another one because he and Dale Murphy worked together. He talked about it when, when we had him on. And right. this new one was uh, was a reverse image. So I, I don't know how I didn't know about this. And I, <laughs> I questioned, like, should I admit I don't know this? There is a Dale Murphy upper deck uh, card where it's the image is reversed. And I believe it's the same it's the same uh, year as the Ken Griffey card. So what was that? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. And so he did a he did a cover with that. And they talked to Dale Murphy for about 45 minutes about a whole bunch of things, the art and, and stuff that he's done with uh, with Daniel. And uh, they took questions and stuff. I, I even got my question answered. I asked uh, I ask if he got to touch the snake that Glenn Hubbard famously uh, put over his shoulders for his 84 Fleer card. And he said no. He said he was uh, he went the other direction when he saw the snake. <laughs> yeah, a man after my own heart. Then yeah, but I'm gonna put uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can go check that out. He's got his own YouTube page, and that is there, so you can go listen to it. It's some great stuff. Dale Murphy talking about those Braves teams and some other stuff. So uh, make sure to go check that out. And like I said, we'll always retweet his artwork because it's so great. It's affordable. And it's just, it's awesome stuff. So make sure to check that out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's just, it's great stuff. And he doesn't, you know, you're, you don't have to pay like 500 bucks no, it's, to get a cool, yeah, it's like 20, a really cool baseball. What is it, like 25 bucks each? Somewhere around there. It's, it's very affordable and they're so collectible and they're so great. Very, yeah. very awesome stuff. Every one of them is limited in printing. So, mm-hmm. all right, Mark, I hate to do it. But we're gonna have to go to court. Oh boy! And now this is—you brought this one on yourself because uh, our buddy Marshall hit us up with the DM here and wanted to let everybody know that one of us—and this time it wasn't me. I, I feel like sometimes Marshall picks on me, but this time he's pointing the finger at you. 
yes, <laughs> last episode, we were talking about the year of the pitcher and uh, specifically Bob Gibson and Carl Yastrzemski. And I remembered that, that Yaz had won a batting title one year with a 301 average. In 1967, he did win the Triple Crown, but when he won the Triple Crown, he actually hit 326. He won the American yeah. League batting title with 301 in 1968, which was the year we were talking about. So actually, I was right with the average, but you were a year off in terms of him winning the Triple Crown. So... Right. For some reason, I had it in my head that he had won the Triple Crown by hitting 301, which is not accurate. Uh, he hit 301 in 68, but when he won the Triple Crown in 67, he hit 326. So, yes, yes, I accept and plead right. guilty. Well, we're going to fine you. And, you know, usually Marshall, uh, you know, suggests a fine. Um, I he didn't this time, so I'm just going to go ahead and fine you three hundred and twenty six dollars for his batting average. All right, checks in the mail, man. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I found out some interesting stuff though about Yastrzemski when I uh, I, I started looking and make sure uh, you know that I didn't say anything stupid again. Uh, something I've really found that was cool for a guy with all the pop he had, uh, his career twenty three years, he struck out one thousand three hundred ninety three times, but he walked. 1,845 times. Very impressive. Yeah, looking at his baseball reference page here, most of the, <laughs> I'm trying to see if there is, uh, his rookie year, his first and second year, he struck out more than he did, more than he walked. After that, there are yes. very few times that he actually struck out more than he walked. In fact, there's only like three or four. So very impressive. Very, very uh, good contact hitter. And, you know, for a guy that has 452 career home runs, that is really impressive. This, he, he never struck out more than he got base hits. He always had more hits than strikeouts by usually about 100. That's right. <laughs> Pretty impressive by, by Yaz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was something Such else. a great nickname, too, that there was a, uh, a band in the, uh, in the 90s named after him. I assume I assumed yeah. Yaz yeah. was named after Carl Yastrzemski. I don't know. Well, I, I I assume so too. And if it's not, then we're going to say it is because yeah. it's we're, baseball. We'll just get ready next week for another kangaroo court. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's get into our trivia question. The uh, question I asked you last week, boy, we got a lot of responses. This was apparently not a, a difficult one, but it's good. It's good. I'm glad when people know the answer. Uh, this was a good one, though. Uh, 1968 as we've been discussing here, was known as the year of the pitchers. Uh, Bob Gibson comes in with that 1.12 ERA. Denny McLean has that 31 wins, which is yet to be reproduced, replicated. Probably, I don't know, probably won't. <laughs> Especially as we're going to, uh, yeah. as teams are starting to look at six-man rotations. Uh, but I wanted to know, who led the yep. majors in strikeouts? That year, and it's one of my favorite nicknames of a pitcher ever. Did you uh, did you come up with any guesses over the the last week? Well, I, I had a guess, but I'm pretty sure it's wrong now. Uh, Mordecai <laughs> yes. Brown, you brought him up earlier. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I think he might have not been in the league in 1968. My apologies. Uh, I, I I was thinking of his cousin Mordecai oh. Five Finger Brown. So. <laughs> no, that's that's Mordecai Five Finger Discount Brown was his. <laughs> yes, uh, he was the black sheep of the family. Right, he he couldn't pitch or hit, but man, he could definitely steal. Uh, yeah, steal you some grapes. 
Yeah. All right. Well, the answer was so many people sent us DMs and, and, and hit us up on Twitter with this. It was Sudden Sam McDowell. I oh, love that sure. nickname. So the, the Cleveland, Cleveland comes up with good nicknames for their pitchers. There's Sudden Sam McDowell. There's Rapid Robert Feller, who was, that's nice. one of my favorite nicknames. But Sam McDowell, six-time All-Star. He did win the ERA crown in 1965 with a 2.18. Career 3.14 ERA. That's good for a 112 ERA+. plus. He led the league several years, uh, five out of six years between 1965 and 1970. He won the strikeout total. Interestingly enough, most of those years, he also led the league in walks and wild pitches. So (laughs) it's one of those, uh, you never know where it's going to go, but if it's over the plate, you're probably not going to be able to hit it, guys. He pitched for 15 years in the big leagues. That 1970 number also, that was over 305 innings. To lead the league. Crazy. A lot of black ink. Not not the black ink in all the good categories uh, solely, but a lot <laughs> of black ink <laughs> on Sudden Sam McDowell. And one of our regular listeners, uh, Chris from St. Louis, wanted to give a special shout out. He, he sent us in the correct answer as usual. He wanted to give a special shout out to his father, Tom Cook, who is a big Cleveland fan and helped him get the uh, the trivia answer right so congratulations to uh, to tom for helping us out there all right so let's uh let's get you a trivia question for next week see what you come up with we're talking about fernando valenzuela this this uh, this week he of course won a cy young came in second uh, a second time so i've got a cy young question here and also we'll talk about fernando was good with the bat he won a silver slugger his rookie year, and he had some good years with the bat as well. So my question for you, Mark, is can you tell me the last Cy Young Award winner that ended up with a higher batting average than that year's home run leader in the same league? I'm going to just go on a limb and say, no, I can't. Okay, well, I mean, you can kind of <laughs> guess it. It's it's probably going to be a national leaguer. The DH wasn't always around, but... I'm going to tell you this. It was it was in the National League. It's happened three times only in the history of baseball. The last time it happened, who was that National League Cy Young Award winner that ended up with a higher batting average than the National League home run leader that year? Think of some good hitting pitchers and see what you can come up with. I'll tell you this. It's not Fernando Valenzuela. I'll just I'll rule that out right now. Okay, he could hit, but but he didn't win the he didn't lead no. over the home run title. You're okay. Gotcha. All right, let's uh, let's let the ground screw come out and do their stuff. We're ready to move into the main part of the show, and as we have been teasing thus far, it is time to talk Fernando Mania. And this is cool. I'm I'm sorry that I was not a baseball fan when Fernando Mania was happening. Not that I would. I mean, I was too young and not living in Los Angeles, so I probably wouldn't have gotten as much of it. (laughs) But uh, Fernando Valenzuela made his major league debut in September of 1980. He was a September call-up when the rosters expanded. To say he was impressive would be a bit of an understatement. He gave up two runs in his debut, neither of which were earned. And then in his remaining nine appearances that month, did not give up another run, period. So in 
10 games wow. in September. He went 2-0. and He got a save. He pitched 17 and two-thirds innings, struck out 16, and walked five. ERA 0.00. That's good, I'm right? I'm still a little new to baseball, but I think that's, I think that's, those are some good numbers. Breaking camp the next spring, Fernando made the big league squad and was penciled into the starting rotation. Now, this is 1981. The Dodgers were still going with a four-man rotation. So <laughs> earlier in BP, we were talking about six-man oh, rotation, wow. which, you know, the Mariners are talking about. A couple other right. teams are talking about it this, this year. And here we're talking about four-man rotations. So ahead of him was their ace, Jerry Royce, who we've discussed multiple times. Jerry Rolls-Royce. Jerry Rolls-Royce, the prankster, one of the great pranksters in all of baseball history. Next was Burt Hooten, who is a, a very familiar name. That Burt Hooten, if you remember, Ralph Terry, when we had him on, said that one of the things he did when he was on the Mets was that he taught Burt Hooten some of his pitches. Yes, yes. Yeah, so That's right. Kurt Hooten, another great pitcher. And finally, the third out of the four guys in this four-man rotation was Go-Go's muse, Bob Welch. So, And then oh, Fernando yeah. was going to be that fourth guy. So it's opening day, and Jerry Royce gets hurt. He tells the sort of, I can't go, Skip. Not great. Tommy's like, okay, Hooten, you're up. He's like, I can't go. I'm not ready. I, I'm, I couldn't find out if he just <laughs> was not mentally prepared or if he had, uh, you know, had a late spring training start. I don't know. But Hooten can't go. For some reason, Welch isn't ready either. So, okay, let's stick the 20-year-old rookie, 10 games major league experience, no starts. Let's put him out there. So Fernando Valenzuela is going to be the starting opening day pitcher for the Dodgers in 1981 in front of a sold-out Dodger Stadium crowd. The Dodgers were opening against the defending National League West champ, the Astros. Fernando goes out there like he's done it his entire life, tosses a five-hit complete game shutout, struck out five Astros. Okay, but that's just one game, right? It's his first start. What's he going to do, you know, after a couple more starts, once there's some of that high-technology VHS tape on him being passed around? Yes. <laughs> once, once the league sees him a second time, you, you always assume it's going to be different. So we did an episode on Mark Fidrich way back, almost 100, almost 100 episodes back. I remember that was yeah. a long time ago. But he had an incredible rookie season too, right? Well, Fernando was like, hold my beer. In his first eight starts, <laughs> Fernando went eight and zero, oh, seven complete games, five shutouts, and gave up only four earned runs over a span of seventy-two innings. And he was a rookie. Yeah, this is his first eight starts. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so you want to cause a mania? Because because that right there is how you cause a mania. Since the Dodgers had moved west from Brooklyn to L.A. The Dodgers owner, Walter O'Malley, had been looking for a great Latin superstar to appeal to the huge Latino community that the Dodgers had access to. Well, the Dodgers had been the first team in Major League Baseball to broadcast in Spanish, but Latino attendance was still pretty low. The Dodgers had been scouting Latin America for this mythical player when scout Mike Brito went to watch a shortstop. 
Fernando was on the bump and struck this prospect out on three fastballs. Well, Brito shifted his sights to Fernando after that. Now, you might not know the name Mike Brito off the top of your head, but if you ever watched a single game from Dodger Stadium on TV during the 80s or 90s, I bet you know exactly who he is. Uh, is it the Panama hat guy? Absolutely. He's the guy <laughs> holding the radar gun behind home plate with the Panama hat, the sunglasses, and a big fat cigar in his mouth. That is I, Mike I had no Brito. idea. Yeah. No, he signed, that's awesome. He found, discovered, and signed Fernando Valenzuela. <laughs> wow. Not just the guy with the radar gun. That's impressive. The Dodgers bought out Fernando's contract, and he went, you know, sent him to the minors. He's working in the the, uh, the Dodgers minor league system. He pitched sparingly there, but he performed really well. But the organization felt that he needed another pitch. He needed something off speed to go with his uh, his fastball. So they had major league pitcher Bobby Castillo taught him how to throw the screwball. And we've yep. talked about the screwball before, and both you and I admitted that we, we knew very little about it. It's just not thrown anymore. No, and it is a weird-ass pitch. <laughs> it's essentially a backwards curveball. When you throw it, instead of the palm of your hand ending up facing your glove hand, it ends up facing the other way. So you're turning your wrist the opposite way that you would to throw a curveball, and subsequently, the ball breaks the other way. So it breaks to the same side as the pitcher's throwing arm. So... I wonder, would they call that a 6-12 to 12 screwball? Obviously, I don't that's, know. It that's impossible. Sounds but. impressive, though. <laughs> <laughs> so the ball breaks the other way, as I said. Another thing that is weird about this pitch is it puts an insane amount of stress on your throwing arm. Okay. Uh, because you're, you're throwing unnaturally. You're, 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 you, the thumb is on the bottom of the ball, and you're rotating it and throwing it. You know, you're turning your hand a way that is not natural. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing it right now. You can't see, but yeah, I'm, I was, I was it watching, is not natural. I was watching a YouTube video <laughs> on it, and I got a ball right here, and I was trying to mimic it. And I'm like, oh, man, that hurts. <laughs> uh, beyond all that, it is just really hard to throw. And, and that's probably one of the reasons beyond taking a, you know, putting stress on your elbow. It's hard to throw and even harder to get it to go where you want it to. But... Fernando got it. I mean, he really got it. He went 13-9 and in AAA and was called up that September that I mentioned earlier with those, those 10 outings. So Fernando went 13-7 and in his rookie season. He threw 11 complete games to lead the league, eight shutouts to also lead the league, and struck out 180, say it with me, to lead the league. So this was 81, so it was, a, it was a shortened season because of the strike. So that's why a relatively low strikeout total led the league. But, yep, he did it. And he became the first player to win both the Rookie of the Year and the Cy Young in the same season, edging out Tom Seaver for the Cy Young. And to put a cherry on the season, he also won a Silver Slugger that year. His rookie wow. He was asked if he knew who Cy Young was. <laughs> and he responded, quote, I don't know exactly who he was, but a trophy carries his name, so he must have been very special to baseball, end of quote. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, this was exactly what Walter O'Malley had been looking for. 11 of Fernando's 12 home starts were sellouts at Dodger Stadium. His road starts also drew more fans. 
That Spanish broadcast to the Dodger games I mentioned earlier averaged more than twice the listening audience than Vin Scully's English broadcasts. It was truly a mania. Wow. So Fernando pitched for 11 seasons for the Dodgers through 1990. He went 141 in 116. He was a six-time All-Star for Los Angeles, never gave up a run over seven and two-thirds innings in those All-Star games. And in 1986, he struck out five batters in a row to tie the record of another screwball pitcher, Hall of Famer Carl Hubble. Hubble did it in the 1934 All-Star game. Maybe you've heard of some of these guys that Fernando struck out five in a row. Don Mattingly, Cal Ripken, Jesse Barfield, Lou Whitaker, and put a cherry on top, Teddy Hagera. Okay. Maybe Teddy. Yeah, Teddy Hagera, maybe not as impressive as the other four, but still five in a row in an all-star game. And then he got Kirby Puckett to, to ground out. So there was a ball put in play. (laughs) Yeah, there were balls put in play, but for five batters in a row, no balls put in play against Fernando in an all-star game. Wow. In the postseason, he posted a record of 5-1 and one with a 1.98 ERA. From 81 through 87, Fernando won more games than any other National League starter and had the second best ERA of National League pitchers with 1,000-plus innings during that period, second only to one Mr. Nolan Ryan. Mm-hmm, that's good company. Heard of him. But get this. During that same time period, he struck out more batters than Nolan Ryan. He had 1,448 compared to Nolan's 1,438. So wow, I tell you what, no one, no one could keep up with Nolan uh, as far as strikeouts. But wow, he did. Yeah, beat him by 10K is in that in that period. Wow. But all good things, as they do, come to an end. The screwball started to take its toll on Fernando's arm in 1988. He missed part of the season, and he did not appear in the Dodgers World Series run in the postseason. His pitching declined the next two seasons before the Dodgers, in what could best be described as a dick move, cut him late in spring training. They said it was a cost-cutting move, and they booted the face of their franchise for the past decade to the curb very late in spring training when most other teams had their rosters set. So there were no options to really sign this guy. As you can imagine, this left a bad taste in Fernando's mouth, despite the fact that he continued to live only 10 minutes from Dodger Stadium. He refused to attend a game or be honored by the team until 2003 when he joined Jaime Haron. Haron, I can't say his last name, and he's a he's a Ford Frick broadcaster Jaime Harin Harin Haron I I, if you remember Amari Pai Gonzalez who we've also had worked with Jaime uh, for for some time but he joined them in the Spanish broadcasting booth finally and he's he's since you know the relationship is warmed up between the Dodgers and Fernando so Fernando went on to pitch for five other franchises after the Dodgers can you name Can you name these franchises? I don't think I could have. Um, did he pitch for the Tigers at all? No. Okay, so I have no idea then. <laughs> in uh, 91, he appeared in two games, two starts for the California Angels. 
Then he went and played in Mexico for a year. In 93, he came back with the Baltimore Orioles, where he (laughs) started 31 games. Then in 94, he appeared in eight games with the Phillies. These are not ringing a bell with me. 95 and 96, he played two seasons, including 96. He started 31 games for the Padres. Wow, I don't remember that. Yeah, in 97, he appeared in 13 games for the Padres and then went to the Cardinals where he appeared in five games. He started five games and then that was the end of his major league career. But get this, so 97... He ends in the major leagues. And then in 2006 through 2008, he reappears at the age of 45 and 46 in the Mexican League, where he goes six and three. So, Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's it's weird, though, because, well, it's not weird. He was 45 and 46. During that those, those seasons in Mexico, he struck out 21 and walked 19. So, you know, he definitely... He was not Fernando. He was walking a lot more than he was striking out. But I mean, still, he went down there (laughs) and he still pitched in how many games over those? Uh, He still pitched in 14 games at that age and went six and three. So not bad. Not bad. Wow. So a couple of just random notes, not random, but interesting notes from his time in Major League Baseball early in his career. Fernando was having trouble communicating with his catchers because he spoke very little English. Well, a young Mike Sosha, not so young, but a pretty young Mike Sosha, he was called up as a rookie and he learned Spanish. And the sole reason he learned Spanish was to get playing time. He became Valenzuela's personal catcher because he could communicate with him. That is pretty smart. Pretty, yeah, pretty smart. (laughs) I mean, Mike Sosha, no slouch as a catcher. Oh, no, no, no. Sosha could do it all. Yeah, but he's like, hey, I see. Here's a way for me to get more playing time. Uh, Yo hablo espanol. Put me in. Nice. Uh, So we've talked about this quite a bit because it involves my favorite pitcher of all time who celebrated a birthday last week. June 29th, 1990. We talked about this in our 90s flashback episodes with the uh, Baseball Beyond Batting Average podcast as well. He threw a 6-0 no-hitter against the St. Louis Cardinals just hours after Dave Stewart had thrown one against the Blue Jays. Both of these games were nationally televised on ESPN. According to the aforementioned Mike Sosha, Fernando and many other players were watching that game because they were friends with Stewart, who used to be on the Dodgers. They saw most of his no-hitter. And Fernando afterwards, according to Sosha, said to his teammates, quotes, you just saw a no-hitter on TV. Now you're going to see one in person, end quote. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how much I believe of that, but it's a good story. And until someone can tell me that it didn't happen, I'm going to believe it happened. Yeah, me too. Pretty good. Fernando modeled uh, on a box of cornflakes. <laughs> he didn't quite get Wheaties, but he got cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like cornflakes more than Wheaties, so I think that's, that's better for me. But yeah, yeah. I, I, once I said that, I thought to myself, wait, it's Wheaties usually. But no, cornflakes absolutely has athletes on their boxes every now and then. Sure, and a rooster for some reason. Some and reason. apparently Fernando Valenzuela. No, his nickname was El Toro, as, yes, as, El Toro. We've, as we've heard in this uh, the, the song. 
I couldn't find anything as to where he got that nickname, but I did see Disney made a short cartoon in 1938 titled Fernando the Bull. I remember that. I've seen it. It, Which won an Academy Award, and I actually watched it, and I was cringing through most of it because it's about bullfighting, which is just an atrocious, I don't care how steeped in tradition, it's an atrocious sport. It's not a sport. It's an atrocious murder event. Do you find yourself uh, rooting for the bull? Because I do. I do, but I know they're they're never going to win. So I was watching this, and and there's a part in it where the bulls with Fernando are all trying to impress these people that are picking bulls for the to be go to the bullfighting ring. And I'm like, oh, this is just atrocious. But it ends up he gets chosen. But spoiler alert, he refuses to fight, and it drives the matador crazy. And he goes off to pasture and is spared. But uh, bullfighting sucks. It's a nice retirement. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you, bullfighting is atrocious and it needs to be outlawed everywhere. But I was wondering if that is how he got the nickname El Toro, because Fernando the Bull. I I think it's got to be, right? That makes sense. Okay, um, we've played it a couple of, well, we played it at the beginning of the show. You know I love a good baseball song. Well, Lalo Guerrero did not let me down, and we we played it in the intro. We'll play a little snippet here. I will play the entire thing as as an outro, because it is, uh, I think it's like three minutes long. It's not super long, but it's it's no El Gasolino. <laughs> Actually, I, if I'm going to be honest, this is better than El Gasolino, uh, not better than uh, than Brett Saberhagen's uh, rap, but it is good. As he steps out of the night, his baseball is his weapon, deadly to his foes. His screwball is his coup de grace. This every hitter knows Fernando, you're a breath of fresh air to us all And when you're pitching the ball You do it with style and grace You got us all back in the race La 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 but the, the one thing that I do want to say about it is there's an awful lot of la la la's in the chorus. And it just seems to me like they kind of gave up. You know, it's, it's the chorus. You should have a full chorus. If you want to put la la la's in the rest of the song, okay. Well, I think, yeah. The rest of the song, though, is top notch. I mean, it's it's like a bullfighter, not a bullfighter. It's like a, a gunfighter song, but with Fernando Valenzuela. The last thing I wanted to note about Fernando is the Dodgers have not retired Fernando's number 34, but they have yet to give out that number to anybody since he left the Dodgers in 1990. Nobody has worn Hmm. number 34. Interesting. Just retire it. I mean, the guy is a legend. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he is a he is worthy of retiring. I, I mean, you and I couldn't think of another team he played for, because when you think of Fernando Valenzuela, you think of the Dodgers. Period. Absolutely. Yep. Fernando, there's Fernando Mania. I mean, he did so much for that franchise as a player. Why are you not retiring his number? Yeah, he, he did uh, a lot for the franchise. He did a lot for baseball, you know, expanding into uh, 
uh, more Latino fans and so on like that. He did a lot for the Dodgers. He yeah. did a lot for professional baseball. He really did. I mean, I mentioned it. Walter O'Malley was looking for that guy, and then he gets yeah. him, and he absolutely produces. Not just was he popular, because, you know, you have popular players who are not particularly good. Fernando Valenzuela was good, period. Yeah, he really was. Six-time All-Star. I wanted to talk about, uh, I, would, I did want to talk about his one season with the bat that, you know, he won the Silver Slugger his rookie year. I wanted to talk about 1990, his final season in L.A. He appeared in 35 games. He had 69 at-bats. He hit 304. He slugged wow. 4, 420. Very nice. Uh, drove oh. in 11 runs, had a home run, five doubles. I mean, wow. if, he, if he would have won the Cy Young Award that year, clearly he would have been the answer to our trivia question. He hit 304. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Lifetime over 17 years in the big leagues, he hit 200. So, we again, we could call it the Valenzuela line. Sure. But, uh, I mean, he hit he hit in the 200s quite often. He, he was very impressive with the bat. Just retire his number. Maybe getting Eric Davis in the Hall of Fame and getting Fernando Valenzuela's number retired. Those are going to be our next two quests for just like noise all right well that was fernando mania i'm glad we could talk about that and uh and get some of this stuff out there um fernando is i remember him i didn't see i didn't see him in his prime but i remember him looking to the bill of his cap in the middle of his motion hearing about the screwball and fernando mania and the dodgers and good stuff i'm, I'm glad we got to talk about him yeah, I agree. But uh, I was really a little kid when he was uh, when Fernando, Fernando Mania was going on. But I, I actually had a little bit of focus on it because my best friend Jason was a huge Dodger fan. He would watch the games. I would see Fernando pitch at the time. I thought, yeah, he's pretty good. Talking about him later. All around. Good athlete. Uh, all right. So let us uh, now move on to our final segment. You know, hopefully not just what people are tuning in for. But if you are welcome, go back and listen to the first part of the show. It was really good. I, thought. Yeah, I agree. It was fantastic. All right, let's get into our final segment that we like to call, and so we do, Wax Packs Heroes. All right, Mark, uh, we got a couple of single packs today, again, but they have something in common. They're both tops. I got a, a, a Tops 1991 and a Tops 1992. So, um, okay. now the 91, I'm going to tell you, is the last year they put gum in there. So, I can feel the gum in that. In the 92, there is no gum in here, which I think is good. I don't like the gum mess. We, we've gone through the eating it phase. We've made all the jokes. We don't need any more gum. So, uh, we've got these two packs. If you are joining us for the first time, we've got a couple of rules here. What we're going to do is we're going to open these two packs. And we are going to score whoever we pull out of them using Baseball Reference War. We got a couple of extra rules, though, because uh, if we pull you out of here and you have got a mustache, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If it is one of those mustaches that makes Raleigh Fingers or Tom Selleck go, that's a good mustache. You're going to get two tenths of a point of war. If you're wearing glasses of any sort, sunglasses, flip downs, science teacher glasses, we're going to give you an extra point of war, extra tenth point of war, excuse me. If you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, you're going to get an extra tenth point of war. If you are wearing two and ones, we're going to take away a tenth of a point of war because that is a crime against humanity, fashion faux pas, and just a no-no for us here on Two Strike Noise. If you're wearing a sweatband with your caricature, your jersey number, or a McDonald's logo, we're going to give you an extra tenth point of war. I posted something on Twitter of a baseball card with somebody, I don't remember who it was, I think it might have been Barry Larkin, wearing a McDonald's sweatband yes, last week. Right. 
they're out there. I don't know why, but they're out there. And then finally, if you are a Hall of Famer now, we're going to give you a whole extra full point of war because you are a Hall of Famer, and uh, that's awesome. So, Mark, I'm going to give you, as usual, the choice here. Would you like the gum encased 1991, or do you want the 1992 pack? You know what? I'm going to go for the 92. It's got uh, a card in it that uh, is actually still very popular, and that is the Derek Jeter. uh, Oh, wow. All right. All right, so I'm going to get the 91. As usual, I'm going to let you go first. Let's take a quick look at the scoreboard before we get anywhere. You are currently on top. You're leading with 13 wins. I have only eight, and I have been floundering lately again, as usual. So uh, we're going to get started here. We're going to open your pack and see what you got. Again, we're going by Baseball Reference War for the year of the pack. So you are going to get uh, 1992 War here. Let's get right into this. You're going to start off with a record breaker card. It is, he's with the Red Sox here. We've talked about him before. We mainly remember him, I believe, with the Twins. It is Jeff Reardon. Oh, yeah, Jeff Reardon, great closer. He's not, he's never on anyone's, uh, you know, the first closers they mentioned, but he certainly could be. Great closer, great beard, and thusly a great mustache. So you'll you'll get right off that, right off the the get-go here. You're going to get a tenth of a point for that, but he's also wearing two and one, so that's a wash. So it's going to be based solely on what he did in 1992, which he split between Boston and Atlanta. He ended up with an ERA plus of 120 that year with 30 saves. So it's probably going to be pretty good for you. Let's see here. War-wise on Not baseball bad. reference, 1.2 war. So that's a, that's a good one. That's to start. A yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a real good one to start off with. All right. Your next card here is somebody that we've talked about. Boy, talk about a, a tough luck loser. It is Anthony Young, who went through such a tough stretch with the Mets. Between 1992 and 1993, he went 3-30 and 30 with the Mets. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. That's just, and I remember at one point he was close to losing 20 consecutively between the two seasons, but he, he finally came through, you know, you look at his numbers and they weren't that bad in 92. He had a 4.17 ERA in 93, a 3.77 ERA. So, I I mean, that's a 107 ERA plus. That's not that, I mean, it's above average. Well, you should win more than three games with those numbers. You really should. Now, I'm not sure what that's going to do war-wise for you here, though. It's a minus 0.5, but he's got a mustache. So that's going to just be a minus 0.4. And that'll take you down to 0.8. Next, we have got... Oh, I'm just going to tell you this. It is uh, one of our two favorite major leaguers from Kingston, Jamaica, man. And it's not Chili Davis. So it's uh, Yvonne White. Bingo. There you go. Took me a second. (laughs) So it's funny. We are uh, actually fostering a German Shepherd puppy this weekend. It's got some behavior issues my wife is working on it with. And its name from the SPCA is Kingston. So I keep calling him Chili and Devo. And she's (laughs) getting frustrated with me. for He's got to remember his name. Uh, Let's see. 1992 for uh, Devon White hit 248, 303, 390. So not a great year for Devo. He did steal 37 bases. And all of that equates to a war of 6.2. Well, I guess you oh, okay. You got to take into account his defense. Seven-time sure. Gold Glove Award winner. Uh, he's got a mustache, but he unfortunately has the two-and-ones here as well. So you will get 6.2 for that. That's Take that all day. Yeah, that rocks. That'll bring you up to a seven. Even next for the New York Mets, it is first baseman Dave Magadan. That guy could hit. Oh, yeah. 
uh, yeah, he was a first baseman, left-handed hitter. Um, he, he could hit for power, but mostly he hit for average, if I remember correctly. And he walked a, a good amount. Yeah, let's see. Uh, walks, uh, not bad. Uh, all A lifetime on base of 390. Not bad. Wow. Did you know he's a Luke Pinello's cousin? I did not know <laughs> I that. I did not know that either. Uh, let's see. In 1992, though, he was on the Mets the entire year. Hit 283. Uh, 736 OPS. That's a 112 OPS plus. Take that. And that equates to a 1.4 war. He uh, is unfortunately though wearing uh, two and one. So that's just going to get you 1.3. This is, this is prime time for two and ones. Definitely. All right. So you were looking for a draft pick card of one biracial angel, Mr. Derek Jeter. Yes. I have here in my hands, a draft pick card from 1992. Mr. Steve Whitaker. <laughs> Steve Whitaker. Now, see, I, I wanted to get these draft pick cards because they're cool, but they won't have any war. Not for that year. Yeah, and uh, but he does have real stirrups, though. Okay, so that you've helps. got that going. I mean, what? who is he pitching for here? I think he went to, is that Long Beach State? Do you know what Long Beach State's uh, nickname is, their team nickname? The Waffles? The Dirt Bags. Oh, nice. They named them after my friends. <laughs> I think they're the 49ers and all other sports, but for uh, for... Uh, baseball they're called the dirt bags and they are a very high profile college baseball team huh. uh, let's see steve whitaker though I, he never appeared in the majors so <laughs> there's no war great yeah definitely no war there all right uh next all right you got a hall of famer here one of our absolute favorites he hails from Angeles, washington and apparently turned down a spot on the homer at the bat episode That's it's right. ryan sandberg uh, one of my favorites, one of the great second basemen to ever pick up a bat. Ryan Sandberg, not yeah. Ryan. Nicknames Rhino, Kid Natural, or Gabby. Yes. Was he Gabby? I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he was particularly talkative. Whatever. Had an interesting year in in, uh, in 1984, kind of an anomaly. He hit uh, for 19 triples. 92, which is what we're going by, was his second highest triples total with eight. Right. So not even half. What a weird year. Great year in 92, though, for him. He slashed 304, 371, 510 for a 145 ERA, ERA plus, uh, OPS plus. And for you, my friend, that equals a 7.8 war. Whoa. Plus, he's a Hall of Famer. And being a Hall of Famer, he's wearing real stirrups. So that will get you 8.9. That'll more than double your score. And that has got to be one of the highest single season totals ever. Congrats, Ryan. Higher than Hack Wilson. <laughs> Good for him. All right, next we've got your buddy from the Mariners, Greg Briley. <laughs> My buddy, huh? Yeah, uh, Greg Briley is a little dude, good defensive player. I'm not sure. I don't remember a whole lot about him as far as uh, hitting and stuff, but I remember he was pretty quick. So Greg Briley played six years, five of which were in Seattle. In 92, uh, probably one of his better years. He slashed 275, 290, 400. Uh, that got him to a 92 OPS plus. All of that equals a war of minus 0.1. But he has got those big science teacher glasses on and he's got a mustache. Ooh. And I cannot see his stirrups. So that's actually going to get you a 0.1 on the positive side. Greg Briley, because of the mustache and glasses, gets yep. me a point. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. All right. Next, this is a good card because it's got Hojo in the background. Uh, it's pitcher for the New York Mets, Tim Burke. Tim Burke, um, wasn't he a Montreal Expo? 
I want to say you're correct. I can see him in that hat. Yep, he definitely was. Came up with the Expos. Played for Montreal for seven of his eight years. Okay. Big leagues. 92, he started with the Mets and finished it with the Yankees. Uh, Not particularly impressive, but all of that together will actually get you a minus 0.5 on the war. Uh, But he is wearing real stirrups, so that will get you only a minus 0.4. Thanks, Tim Burke. This was taken at Wrigley. Don't ask me how I know this was taken at Wrigley because I can't really tell. It is just something about the light. That is a Wrigley Field wow. in the afternoon. That's kind of Rain Man-ish, dude. I don't know why I can do that. And, and of course, there's no real way I can prove that, but that is at Wrigley Field. All right, next, uh, let's go. This guy was on the, the Cincinnati Reds in 1990 when they beat the A's. It is Hal Morris. Yes, Hal Morris. I, thought, I always thought he was kind of underrated. I will, I'll go with that. Uh, William Harold Morris spent a good deal of time in the big leagues, 13 years in the big leagues, 1992. Uh, he had an OPS plus of 104, and that equates to a war of 0.5. I hate to tell you this, but those sure look like two and ones. Oh, I can't, I can't tell. Now, normally, I mean, there are some giveaways, but I really cannot tell on that one. I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to call it neutral and go okay. neither one way or the other. Cause I really can't tell on that one. So that'll get you a 0.5. You're up to 17.5. Next. We have got uh, a little guy for the Chicago White Sox, Craig Grayback. Uh, okay. I'm not sure I know who that is. Oh boy. I remember him. Uh, nickname little hurt. <laughs> oh, he must've been a White Sox. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the White Sox, obviously teammates with Frank Thomas. Uh, 1992 had an OPS plus of 105 slash 268, 341, 387. Craig Graybeck in 1992 came up, you're going to like this, with a war of 2.3. Well, thank you. Yeah, I remember. I just, I remember him just because, you know, this was around the time that the A's and the White Sox were still good together. A's were kind of on the decline, but yeah, remember him? He's, he's kind of coming up in my memory as a, like a utility guy or something. Uh, absolutely, utility. 465. Okay. Listed here. Okay. Through almost every season. All right. You're going to get your second Hall of Famer here. Not one of my favorites. He was on the A's. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was on the Mariners at some point. Here he is on the Rangers, which I have no recollection of. It's Goose Gossage. Goose Gossage was a Ranger? Apparently. At least he went <laughs> to spring training with them. Uh, yeah. 1991, he was with the Rangers. 92, which we're actually looking at, is his first of two years with Oakland. Ah. Uh, you know what? 92. He appeared in 30 games, ended up with a 2.84 ERA and a 132 ERA plus. Wow. Uh, that'll get you a 0.6 war, but he's a Hall of Famer. So that's 1.6. You got to give Goose a 0.2 on the mustache because that Absolutely. thing was always one of the great there. mustaches in baseball history. Yeah. So that's going to be a 1.8 addition for you there. Not bad. Next, I remember this guy, uh, just saying his name, I know you're going to get glasses points, but he's also wearing two and ones to wash it out. For the Cubs, Chuck McElroy. Chuck McElroy. Um, God, what do I remember? The name is familiar. I just can't I just, remember. I, I, mean, I absolutely remember him from the uh, from the Cubs, from watching him on WGN. I remember when he was on sure. the, uh, the Rockies as well. Uh, 1992, he was still on the Cubs, 24 years old, so still just starting his... Uh, his career ended up with a 102 ERA plus that year, and that equates to a war of minus 0.2, actually. Uh, like I said, he's got the science teacher glasses, but he's also got two and ones. So that's actually going to just minus 0.2. Uh, 
Now, I'm just getting frustrated here because you seem to, have you ever gotten a Nolan Ryan card? I honestly don't think so. Well, I don't think I've ever gotten a Ricky Henderson card on my turn. Uh, but you, sir, have a Ricky Henderson I've card. I've got a few. Yeah, I know. And I've gotten nice. a couple of Nolan Ryan cards. <laughs> well, darn you for this. Uh, I hate I hate having to look up Ricky and, and get his numbers for not myself. Uh, so, Ricky Henderson, 1992. Okay, year. Slash 283, 420, 426 on base. That is... Oh. Good. And 457 uh, slugging, that equates to a 155 OPS plus. That's not bad. No, not uh, at all. That will all overall equate to a war of 5.6. Of course he's a Hall of Famer. Of course he's got a mustache. And of course he's wearing real stirrups. Wow. So that'll get you a 5, or I'm sorry, a 6.5. Wow, this is a really good pack. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Bring you up to 27.9 with two cards left. Here we've got uh, whoa, with a Greg Vaughn sliding in as he's uh, jumping over him to complete a double play for the Twins. It's Greg Gagne. Oh, yeah, one of my buddies right there. A good shortstop, a pretty decent hitter, and a Minnesota Twin, I believe, most of his career. But I, I remember him as a Royal, too. Yeah, he went to the Royals for three years and then apparently ended up with the Dodgers for his final two. Apparently, he led the league in caught stealing. Uh, in 94 with the Royals at 17. But Ouch. we're not interested in that. Uh, 74 OPS plus. You know, he never posted an OPS plus of over 100. But, you know, that's 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 hmm. with the bat. He was a pretty pretty good defensive fielder. He ended up with a 1.4 yeah, war here. He has got two and one stirrups, but Greg Vaughn has real stirrups. So that'll wipe that out and get you a 1.4. <laughs> So you're at 29.3 with your final card. I remember this guy. He was uh, a stalwart for those 90s Braves teams uh, up the middle. Not much of a starter, but it is Jeff Treadway. Sure, I remember Jeff Treadway. You're right. It was, uh, was it like the early 90s, late 80s for the Braves? Let's see. He was on Atlanta from 89 through 92. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. 92, not a great year. Not going to lie. <laughs> OPS plus of 55. Ouch. Uh, defense was okay, but that equates a war of minus 0.7. He does have flip down sunglasses and he's got real stirrups on. So that'll only minus you a 0.5. Only? Well, it, you know, that's a 28.8, which is uh, going to be really hard to beat. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that was a good pack, man. I, hey, I said was, pack, man. Okay. No, that was a good pack. <laughs> yeah, well, you got Ricky Henderson in it, too. So Ricky and uh, Ryan Sandberg. Let's see if I can beat Ricky you with those two Ryan. cards. Yeah, two guys that turned down the Simpsons episode. <laughs> oh, what would Ricky? I'm just I'm just trying to imagine Ricky Henderson on that episode because uh, they always because they exaggerated and made their character kind of be the, the the opposite of what I have a feeling. Jose Canseco was the replacement for Ricky Henderson. Could be because Ricky at that time was really known as kind of being a selfish kind of hot dog. All right, so here comes my pack, my pack of the 1991. Oh my goodness. The gum is completely intact, but it is moldy. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to not touch that. I'm going to just put that away. Get these in order here. And so this is the 40th anniversary of Tops this year. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's start off here. Not a strong start for me. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say that. Pitcher for the Bucks, Bob Patterson. Uh, okay. I definitely remember the name. 
I remember oh, he's a lefty, you know, so he stuck around for a while. But in 1991, he went four and three with an ERA plus of 88. So I'm not expecting a whole lot here. Uh, That equates to a war of minus 0.1. No mustache, I don't think. I can't tell. But he's got real stirrups, so I'll take that. That's a wash. I believe, oh, (laughs) I thought this said Jim Needenfewer. No, it's pitcher for the Dodgers, Jim Needlinger. Oh, Needlinger. I remember Nidlinger? him. Yeah. I clearly do not. <laughs> yeah. Nidlinger, um, God, I'm trying to think of it. I, I only remember him like for a short period of time. He was a Dodger. I remember him mostly from the Albuquerque Dukes. They were the Dukes back then. Yeah. Well, it, that makes sense. He, he only appeared one year in the big leagues and that was 1990. So I'm going to get no points from his war. Uh, he's got a mustache and he's got I can't tell. Those kind of look like real stirrups. I'm going to give it to me because I'm struggling already. But yeah, that was his only year in the big leagues. And definitely he spent three, four years in Albuquerque. Albuquerque, okay. as Bugs Bunny would say. So that'll get me point two. So I'm at least on the positive end. Uh, this guy's nickname is Tiny. We've talked about him before. Uh, Mike Felder. There you go. Mike Felder here with the Brewers. In uh, Actually, in 1991, though, he was with the Giants. Uh, okay, year 88 OPS plus, which is only going to equate to a, well, pretty good defensively, apparently 1.7 war. Huh. He has definitely got a mustache. Oh, and he's got his jersey number on his sweatbands. Oh, bonus. There we go. So that'll equate to a 1.9. So I will take that. That brings me up to 2.1. Next, we have got a red sock. It is, oh, this is a good-looking card. It's a horizontal card of him at the plate. He's just put the ball in play with the catcher and umpire behind him. It's Dewey Dwight Evans. Oh, man. Uh, there's a guy that doesn't get a lot of respect that, that he deserves. That guy could play ball. One of those borderline Hall of Famers. He's one of those guys that a lot of Hall of Famers will bring up as saying that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In 1991, it was his final year in the big leagues. That never really bodes well. <laughs> he actually played for Baltimore his final year. Weird. <laughs> 19 years with the Red Sox, and then his final year. He appeared in 101 games, though, and ended up with a OPS plus of 119. So uh, that brings his war to a point six. Uh, this picture, he has got, uh, let's see, he's definitely got two and ones. I am tempted to say that's a two-tenths mustache. He always had a good yeah, Dewey, lip brush. Dewey had a good mustache, yeah. All right, so that'll that'll bring me up to one uh, to a point seven. Um, Dwight Evans good. won, uh, I believe, uh, six or seven gold gloves. Dwight Evans won eight gold gloves. I was off a little. Good defensive. All, all around good ball player, that guy. Okay, next I have got... Oh, this is going to be fun to talk about. So... In the 80s and 90s, there was a minor league baseball highlight that I don't think you could watch a show about baseball that somehow would not work this highlight into this outfielder in the minor leagues. It was it was a right or a center fielder going back, tracking a ball, and just running through the outfield wall trying to make this catch. Yes. Do you remember this play? Oh, I remember it. I, I remember who it was. And uh, yeah, yeah. Who was it? It was Rod McRae. There you go. Rodney was, McRae. It was in Portland, I believe. Uh, let's see. So he played in the minors. He played in Spokane and South Bend. So hmm. possible. Oh, he played in the minors. He played in Vancouver, which that right. might have been where he did it. They had a team well, at the time. Yeah, I guess the Beavers were, were still a triple A team around then. So yes. yeah, you might be right. 
let's see, Rodney McRae in the big leagues did not spend much time there. He only played for three years. Again, I would kill to have said I had <laughs> Me too. 15 plate appearances in the big leagues. Let's see, 1991, though, he was with the White Sox. Uh, OPS plus of 61 in only seven at-bats. That is a war of 0.0, and there is nothing on this card that's going to get me anything more. But it was fun to talk about that. Yes, one of the the legendary highlights. Uh, Like you said, it's in every reel. All right, so this guy was a staple at first base in the American League in the 80s and 90s. He's one of those BYU guys that we talked about when we had Vance Law on. It is first baseman for California Wally World, Wally Joyner. Oh, yeah. Wally Wally Joyner, uh, did he win Rookie of the Year or was he just part of the running? He was the runner-up in 86. Yeah, I remember him having an amazing year. Can you guess who the Rookie of the Year was in 1986? Six-foot There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, 91, uh, Wally Joyner, not too shabby. Slash 301, 364, 88 for an OPS plus of 134. You know, he was only an all-star his rookie year. Really? It was the only year. Yeah, the only year he was an all-star. All of that equates to a war of 3.8. He is wearing real stirrups, though. And uh, that's all that's going to get me any extra points. So that's a plus 3.9. I'll take it. You know, the very first game I ever went to in Yankee Stadium might have been in 91. Hmm. I believe it was my senior year in high school, which would have been 91. And they were playing the Angels. And the night before we went, I remember... Somebody threw a pocket knife at Wally Joyner when he was on the on-deck circle. I remember. As a kid from Salt Lake City, that was an experience going to Yankee Stadium at that point in 1991. Wow, yeah. The the things I saw in the parking deck on the way after the game uh, still haunt me today. (laughs) Next, speaking of the New York Yankees, it is, I believe this guy, I think this guy might still be in prison, uh, Randy Velarde. Oh, sure. Or am I thinking of Jim Leyritz or was it Randy Velarde? One of the two. They're kind of interchangeable. Uh, yeah, I remember Randy Velarde actually turned a triple play when he was on the A's. Oh, wow. I think it was a, might have even been an unassisted triple play. 1991, though, uh, he was still kind of that utility guy. OPS plus of 82. Uh, a war of 0.3. He has got some real stirrups on, though, so that's good. So that'll get me up to 0.4. I'll take any positive at this point. I'm just... I'm at 7.1. Next, uh, I want to say this guy threw a no-hitter. And with the Phillies, it looks like he's airbrushed. I think this is an airbrushed card. It is Tommy Green. Man, another National League player that I don't have enough knowledge about, you know? Nicknames Jethro or T the Green. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, good year in 91. 13 and 7. Wow. An ERA plus of 108. And that equates to a war of 3.3. He's got a wispy mustache. It's a mustache nonetheless. Yeah, so Tommy Green threw a no-hitter against the Expos in Olympic Stadium in front of a crowd of (laughs) 8,833 in 1991. Wow. Bummer. Everybody missed out on a performance. I wonder how many people in Montreal claim they were there for that game because they were only at most 8,800. <laughs> yeah, there's at least 50,000 that say they were there. All right, so uh, next card, pitcher for the Brewers. I do not know this guy. He's got two and ones that are pulled up so high, half of his sock is just white. Like, that's just embarrassing. It is Mark Lee. Yeah, um, wait, maybe. Was he, was he a Cleveland Indian? He was not. Then I got the wrong Mark Lee. 
Uh, yeah, he spent four years. Get these ranges. 88, he came up with the Royals. 90 and 91, he spent with the Brewers. And then 95, he appeared in 39 games for Baltimore. Four years later. Yeah, his his career spanned 88 through 95, but only four of which were in the big leagues. <laughs> Weird. 91 was definitely his most active year. He appeared in 62 games, had an ERA plus of 105. And that equates to a war of 0.4, but with those darn stirrups, it's only going to be 0.3. That brings me to 10.8. Here we go. Uh, another pitcher I haven't heard of. Expo's lefty Drew Hall. Man, that sounds familiar to me. It might have been a stratomatic thing. I have absolutely no recollection of Drew Hall. Came up with the Cubs, spent three years there. 90 was his final year in the big leagues, though, so I'm going to get nothing from him, and there's nothing on the card. Apparently, Scott Boris thought enough of him, though, to represent him. Well, you know, he's probably close to being a Hall of Famer, so you might want to give yourself a point just for being close. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, I just pulled one. It Uh is none other than Jack Morris. Oh, sure. uh, One of those borderline Hall of Famers, but he's a Hall of Famer nonetheless. Yes, I believe they have a a thing for Jack Morris in baseball beyond batting average. I think they've talked about him quite a bit. Yeah, he's not their favorite Hall of Famer. (laughs) So in 91, though, he might be one of my favorites. He was an all-star, led the league in games started, went 18 and 12, uh, led the league in wild pitches, so that's not so good. An ERA plus of 1.25, and that equates to a war of 4.3. He is a Hall of Famer. That's 5.3. Jack Morris always had a hell of a mustache. So I'm going to give him two on that, plus he's got real stirrups. So that equals 5.5, which is my largest haul, but is nowhere near your largest one. <laughs> and uh, I'm, that brings me up to 16.3. I'm, I'm a little over halfway to, to yours. Uh, I do have a number one draft pick card. Okay. And this is interesting. I did not know that he was drafted by the Yankees. Not sure that that's going to get me any war though, for 1991, it is Mr. Personality, Mr. Domestic Violence, Carl Everett. Oh, Carl Everett. Yeah, Mr. Personality is right. Yeah, this guy is a scumbag. I'm just going to say, I try to be nice, but this guy is not good. He was a loose cannon on the field in the clubhouse and has been uh, taken into custody for domestic violence a couple of times. Uh, I don't remember the nicknames. Well, I, actually, you know what I do? C-Rex and Jurassic Carl. Unlike Mookie Wilson, Carl Everett did not believe in uh, dinosaurs, which is why he was given these nicknames. Uh, He did not make his appearance in the big leagues until 93, and there's nothing on this card. That's like a 13-year-old mustache, so I'm not going to give it to him. Carl Everett, by the way, last year, his last year was with the Mariners, and it was uh, interesting, uh, if I remember right. Yeah, I remember I I had a friend in town, and so uh, he was a baseball fan, so I took him on a tour of, of, uh, <laughs> Safeco at that point. And I remember the tour guide was just making stuff up. <laughs> he had no idea that I worked there. So he's making stuff up. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is crazy. I mean, to be honest, I've had this exact same experience at Fenway park and, and Camden yards, the exact same experience. But he, we were in the clubhouse at, at this point, And he said, Oh, and they just signed Carl Everett. And I go, Oh yeah, I'm sure that's going to work out. Well, he does real well in the clubhouse. And he goes, well, we've got a lot of veterans here. I think they'll put him in his place. And I think he's going to do really well. <laughs> and I uh-huh. said, that's what every single team has said. And yeah, he did not, he did not do well. All right. So let's move on. My next is a pitcher apparently for the brew crew that I have not heard of Julio Mercado. 
Kyle. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar. Well, 91 was his final year of three years in the big leagues. He did go 3-3 three and three at an ERA plus of 117, which gives me which gives me a war of 1.3, and he does have a mustache. So that'll be a 1.4 on the positive for me. Not bad for a guy you never heard of. Yeah, that brings me up to 17.7 with two cards left. The second to last is, here he is with the Giants. I remember him probably mainly with the Braves. It's Brett Butler. Oh, man. Yeah, um, Brett Butler, wasn't he a Dodger for most of his career? And unbelievably, unbelievable defensively. Yeah, he was, you know what? He never won a gold glove. And was an all-star only once. Oh, he he was the master of laying down the bunt for a single. That's what I remember. Yeah, he was a great bunter. He spent seven years in Los Angeles, four in Cleveland, three in San Francisco, three in Atlanta, which is weird because that's where I I remember him mainly from. And uh, final year in, well, not final, but one year with the Mets. In 91 was the only year that he did make the all-star team. Lucky. 114 ERA plus, led the league in caught stealing that year, but also led the league in walks. And hmm. all of that equates to a war of 5.1. I'll take Very that. nice. Very nice. Yeah, I remember him uh, in Stratomatic. He was the best defensive player you could get in center field. That's weird that he never won a goal. Right? Off, but, Very strange. Yeah. So that takes me to 22.8. You finished with a 28.8. So I need a six plus war which we know is about the highest that you can get. <laughs> Maybe you'll get Hack Wilson. Who knows? No, we've talked about this guy before because he charged Ricky Henderson a, a, a pretty exorbitant fee to get the number 24 when Ricky was traded to the Blue Jays. And for somebody of this guy's stature, that was pretty ballsy. It is an uh, outfielder here with Cleveland wearing the two and ones. Shame on you, Turner Ward. <laughs> That's funny. Turner Ward played for a lot of teams. Uh, let's see. Turner Ward did Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Toronto, Arizona, Cleveland, and Philadelphia during his 12 years. In 91, he appeared in Cleveland and then uh, Toronto for the end of the year. And all of that equates to a war of zero. For Perfect. the Cleveland team, the Cleveland baseball team, he accrued a point two, And for Toronto, he accrued a minus point two. And I'm going to get a minus point one because he's got those uh, two and ones, which takes me to 22.7, well short of what I needed. And will give you your 14th win versus my eight. Wow. Uh, you know, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and making this day. As uh, Yogi Berra said, thanks for making this day necessary. <laughs> man i just i can't win i cannot win i am not maybe you should pick the pack dude all right well that'll wrap it up for another episode of wax packs heroes and let's start to wrap up the show uh want to as usual thank our listeners we really do appreciate you tuning in each week if you want to get a hold of us follow us on social media we are there we're posting throughout the week mainly on twitter but you can find us on both twitter and instagram at two strike noise that is at TWO Strike Noise. We're also on YouTube. Just uh, do a search for uh, Two Strike Noise podcast. I'll throw the links in the show notes as well. Mark, we have got a email address that people can use their AOL accounts to get a hold of us with as well, correct? <laughs> That's right, because I'll hear, you've got mail. Uh, yeah, uh, you can. it's kind of a unique email address. It's two strike noise at gmail.com. All right. Well, uh, we will be back again next week. And uh, we would sure appreciate it if you could be as well. We are going to, instead of the usual uh, theme, 
to take us out of the show, just like we we changed up the theme to bring us in this week, uh, so it's a little bit different. I'm going to go ahead and play the entire Fernando El Toro song for you so you can listen to that. So uh, you can stick around for that. But, Mark, we'll see you again next week when we uh, get on to our next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. He walks out to the mound like a matador without a suit of lights. The crowd lets out a mighty roar as he steps out of the night. His baseball is his weapon, deadly to his foes. His screwball is his coup de grace. This every hitter knows. Fernando, you're a breath of fresh air to us all. And when you're pitching the ball, you do it with style and grace. You've got us all back in the race. La 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 la. La 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 la. La 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 la. La 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 la. From the village of Echawakila on the warm Sonora sand. He burst on the scene to strike terror on the hitters of this land. He's loved by all his people, for them he must prevail. And when he's really on his game, he gets both ears in the tail. Fernando, you're a breath of fresh air. And when you're pitching the ball, you do it with style and grace. You got us all back in the race. La 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 la